Hey, what's up, Military Millionaires? Today I have an exciting episode with Michael Zuber, the author of One Rental of a Time, where we talk about how to get out of the rat race even if you live somewhere as expensive as Silicon Valley and work in a crazy tech job. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the community. If not, thanks for coming back. Hey guys, check out the podcast notes at FromMilitaryMillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hold on to your seats, guys. We'll kick this off after a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys. On this podcast, we talk a lot about the roadblock to success for military members in getting started in real estate investing. For many of us, the barriers of time, location, and not having the right knowledge keep us from building wealth while serving our country. Well, let me tell you about Storehouse 310 Ventures. They get it. Storehouse 310 Ventures is owned by two active duty naval officers that love to make investing fun, lucrative, and have a passion for education, theirs and yours alike. They offer full turnkey rental properties in a market where the numbers make sense, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yes, Milwaukee, home to the almost 2018 division titled Milwaukee Brewers, the well-known Miller Brewing Company, and a lot of delicious cheese. Storehouse 310's properties are fully renovated, leased, and have property management in place. Through their rigorous analysis and selection process, they do everything possible to ensure each rental property meets their high standards and offers fantastic returns. Storehouse 310's allows you to invest with confidence while you are living out of state. They have a network of lenders, insurance companies, contractors, a title company, and much more to serve you all along the way. There is absolutely no reason not to get started when you have the right teams and system in place. David and Stu, the owners of Storehouse 310, have been investing themselves for over 15 years. They are on a mission to help as many active duty, reserves, and military veterans create financial freedom through the power of real estate investing. They are honest, transparent, and they prioritize service and giving. They have even committed to give the first 10% of their profits to partner nonprofit organizations that support veteran causes. For more information about their program, send an email to podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Again, that is podcast at storehouse310turnkey.com. Tell David and Stu you heard about them through the Military Millionaire Podcast, and they will get you going down the right path. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am here today with Michael Zuber, who was a full-time employee for 15 years and then exited the rat race due to buying one rental at a time. So, Michael, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, David. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, as you said, um, you know, I was a full-time tech worker, so I live in the Silicon Valley. And, um, you know, what, what the story starts on my 30th birthday, actually. I wake up on my 30th birthday. You know, I've, uh, you know I've, I've been successful, at least by the way my parents raised me, right? I went to, you know, I graduated high school. Um, I couldn't have, I had to pay for my own college, so I went to a junior college. And then I went to a university and graduated. Got a job, started climbing the corporate ladder, and then went back and got an MBA in the evenings, which thankfully my employer paid for. Uh, and then I get to my 30th birthday and I have nothing to show for it or nearly nothing, right? I, I've wasted every penny as my income went up, my spending went up. Uh, and that's when the Rich Dad Poor Dad book kind of smacked me across the face and introduced the concept of the rat race. Um, I, you know, I didn't know I was in a rat race. I was sort of raised that that was the only way to go. You know, my mother and father were both in the military. Dad's a Marine. Mom was in the Navy. And, you know, that was, that was it, right? It was like, you're going to school. 
uh, and then you're going to good good job and you're going to climb the corporate ladder and you're going to be successful. That's that was that's I mean literally beaten into me growing up. And so I got to my 30th birthday and I sort of looked up and I went something's wrong, right? Especially after reading that book which I read 5 times in a row. Uh, and the answer was cash flow, you know, more specifically buy and hold rentals. So um I did that. And like you said in the intro I did that for 15 years. You know, there's, there's lots of ups and downs in a market that, you know, I started before the crash, invested up through it, survived it and, and kept going, but ultimately left with a portfolio that paid for my, you know, my daily bills, just like the book talked about. And, you know, my, I retired February 1st of 18. So over 14 months ago, my wife's been out for five years and, uh, you know, we can't live extravagantly. We're not going to look good on social media with all the stupid Ferraris and, you know, you know, private jets and all of that. Uh, but you know what, we can, we can go to dinners and, and, you know, we could, you know, lounge around and go to the gym and life, life is good, right? We, we didn't know if it would work out. Uh, but thankfully one rental at a time works you know, when you buy it, hold it conservatively finance, the keys of living below your means. That's what I would tell a, a younger self is, you know, this social media day is, is really injuring our futures. When we, we try to keep up with people we either don't like, or even worse, don't know. Um, you know, you're setting yourself up and, you know, I wish I would have heard, read that book. And when I was 20, you know, I would have saved 10 years and been out of the rat race even earlier, but thankfully made it. And now I spend my time, you know, speaking with guys like you and trying to give back and, you know, every show I can help one person's delight. You know, I feel like I've been successful. Absolutely. And you're, you're absolutely right about, it. in fact, I almost made, uh, I decided not to, because I figured that the blowback would probably be worse than the. <laughs> the juice I'd get out of squeezing it, but almost made this video about like rap culture and basically just like why rap is making you poor because their yeah. their videos are the worst when it comes to the you know they'd rather look rich rather than be rich. All of their stuff is just like yeah. how much money can I blow on this music video, right? Um, yeah. But that whole social media mentality. In fact, I'll see these upcoming superstars on social media, and I have to ask myself, okay did he really make it or is he leasing that car for these videos? Like, is he, you know, who knows? You can't even tell. And it's, it's scary because people are, so I'm a command financial specialist for my unit and yeah. I will sit down with Marines and I'll talk to them about their finances and I'll get these stories about how they don't have enough money and they don't do this and they don't make enough money and this, that, and the other. And you're peeling back finances and you're like, you bought $600 worth of shoes, an Xbox mm. and you know, whatever. And I'm like, and and they just oh well yeah but but no no buts like the, I get it someone else had it but you didn't need three pairs of Jordans this week yeah well I mean I you know Gary V kind of says it pretty succinctly now ninety eight percent of us buy dumb blank right and um, to keep up with people we don't know or don't like and don't respect and and you know as someone who spent his thirties doing that and had had some nice toys I can tell you it's not worth it. The rat race is real. The wheel gets bigger. It gets heavier as you add, as your income goes up, if your expenses go up and your family commitment goes up and pretty soon, um, you know what, something I would tell my younger self again is do yourself a favor and look up in your organization, whether it be military or corporate, maybe three or four rungs and go, do I want their life? Now I cannot speak about the military at all, but I can tell you in the corporate world, uh, four rungs above me when I was 30 were overweight, unhealthy, uh, addicted to a foreign substance that I never want in my body. And um, on their second or maybe third marriage, probably had a mistress or a whatever the reverse is of a man. I don't 
Mr. I don't know, whatever it is. Cause it was, bo- it was both sexes. I'm not trying to be sexist, but both were, both were doing things that I just didn't want in my life. And yeah, you could tell yourself that won't be you and all of that. But when you, when you work in a culture that is 90 day cycles, high pressure, you know, million dollar deals all the time. Uh, and you're traveling all the time, you're away from home for 150 days. You could see how it could happen. And I, I wanted none of that, frankly. I wanted, I wanted to get away from that, but it paid well. So I buckled down, made as much money as I could. We lived, we went from living like 98 to 102% of our income to like less than 50 and some years less than 40% of our income. That's where the magic happens. That's yeah. when the rat race slows down. It's where you can start making decisions and you could change your future. But when you live that close to the edge, especially as we head into a changing business cycle, man, oh, some people are going to be just crushed. And, and that's, that's unfortunate. It is. Yeah. I don't, uh, luckily for the, the military, the, the weight and the illegal substance <laughs> stuff is kind of, kind of, you get, you get kind of ousted. So most of them don't, don't get <laughs> into that. Um, but there's definitely some, some high levels of stress and depending on your job, you know, the, the time requirement gets yeah. longer. And um, so I can, I can see exactly where you're coming from. You know, you see both sides of the spectrum. I've seen guys who are way up the ladder that are love their life. And I see guys who are way up the ladder and you're like, man, I don't want to be at the office that late ever. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of depends. Well, that's, that's really cool that you have somebody that you can look at and go, yeah, that's that he's, he, he or she is happy. I saw zero of that. And, um, now, again, this is, you know, it, the sample size wasn't huge. It was probably dozens of people because I was looking that far up and I was just an individual contributor, you know, the lowest of low levels. But I'm like, dude, don't get me any of that. I'm going to keep cranking, be the individual contributor, you know, do my thing and, you know, eat what I kill and get out. Right. And, you know, 15 years later, it happened. That's awesome. All right. So you decide to exit the rat race. Could you explain briefly what like the one rental at a time strategy is that allowed you to do that? Yeah. So I wish I could tell you it was a big plan. I came up with on my 30th birthday. It's not. I basically started sacrificing living below my means, uh, always conservatively financed it. It's what saved us during the 08 the crash. Um, what really saved us is when we were trying to buy our ninth property, uh, it was 08. And if you remember 08 at all, it was right near the peak of the market where, where prices were silly. But, but for us, I didn't know that. I you know, I was traveling around the world and buying these, you know, at 4 a.m. and, you know, 11 o'clock <laughs> at night. That's, that's all the time I had. But, um, you know, that, that ninth house I was looking at was going for 260 and it was renting for 1100 Why that's important is because my first house I bought for 100 was renting for 1100 right? So add 160 grand to that. And it just didn't make financial sense, right? There were these ridiculous liar loans and two and 28s and, and things where you could kind of do really bad Excel math and make it look okay. Yeah. But as a finance person, I'm like, that's going to blow up, right? That's, that's just not okay. So long story short, we did what you should do in real estate network, meet more people. And we got introduced to small multifamilies uh, in commercial space. So that's five units to 20 units. So what we did is and what saved us is we we took that first house that had all that gain in it. And we did what's called a 1031 exchange. We sold it for roughly 260. <clears throat> We moved all of that equity into a five unit building, uh, which was, you know, cheaper and, um, but it rented for three X. So, I mean, I mean, it rents for three X it's $40,000 cheaper, you know, pretty good news. Yeah. So I'm a simple man. If, if some is good, more is better. 
so we did that with all those first eight properties we bought and in about a, in about a year period, maybe 15 months, we went from eight to 80. Wow. And that's all the one rental at a time, no new capital, all equity transfer or 1031 exchanges. Then the crash happens. And, you know, suddenly we try to go back and buy houses again. And uh, we find out that the banks don't like us. We have 800 credit scores. We have six figure incomes. We have seven figure net worths, never missed a payment, but banks won't lend to us. And because the crash, right? We're real estate investors. We caused it was the, was the word oh, on the street. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It wasn't the poor guy buying a home. He had no business buying with a 580 credit score. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's what the bank said. Right. And it, it was, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, Oh my God, what's, what's going on? So at the end of the day, you know, Lehman brothers blows up and, you know, savings rates go below 1%. And, and basically we, to, to net it out, we start borrowing private money uh, and we pay 10% to friends and family. We, we get a note, uh, uh, a deed of trust recorded, named on insurance, do everything legit, but we end up buying 50 or 60 units during the crash on top of the others. You know, then the hedge funds come in and the world's suddenly different when they buy stuff sight unseen because it got so ridiculously cheap. And then the market returns. It enters the seller's market that we've been in for the last, I don't know, six, seven years. And, you know, life's really good. And, you know, obviously rents go up and mortgage paydowns and all these great things happen when you let time. I, I tell people when you're buying hold or one rental at a time, you should think in decades. Conservatively finance up front and then think in decades. This is not a, you know, it's not flipping. It's not wholesaling. You're not talking weeks or months. Um, I want to do my day job. I want to be the very, very best at my day job. I want to make as much money as I can in my day job. And I'm going to have this be my, my future. What happens is we get, uh, I get to my 45th birthday. I love my job. Love, love, love my job. Um, you know, as stuff happens, I get uh, in sales, you get transferred around, hire quotas, new people all the time. And I, uh, I was put into a relationship that was not going to last long. And uh, I had all this behind me. And I was to the state where I told people all the time what I thought. And I let this individual know that um, I thought they were toxic and uh, not a very good person. And that's probably not what you should, you should tell your boss. And, um, you know, we, we pretty much came to a mutual decision that this was not going to work. And I agreed. And we, you know, we put a quick package together and I was out that day um, because of one rental at a time. And, and, you know, I'm so happy to have it because if I didn't have this, I would have had to work with someone I can't respect. And, and um, that probably would have killed me probably. I like, I like that. So it's funny because as you grow and on the outside of your job, it, it does become, it's almost like it gives you permission to speak what's on your mind, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which, you know, as you say, backfires. Um, the, yes. nice, the nice thing about my job is as long as you're tactful about it, mm-hmm. you can bring things up to people and generally speaking, obviously there's exceptions, but generally speaking in the Marine Corps or the military community, the thick skin and the community allows for you to be like, Hey man, um, you're being a jerk and I'd love to talk to you about better, better ways you could do this. And they're like, Oh, okay. You know, obviously there's some crappy leaders, but man, I've seen some pretty crazy conversations where I've brought something up and they're like, Oh, well, cool. Let's talk about it. And I'm like, I thought that was going to go way worse for me. Um, yeah, that went left when I expected to go right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Awesome. Well, I'll miss yeah. that when I get out and I have to like tread over feelings. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I'm not. Yeah. And you're right. It, when you do build a plan and you let time and that little trickle of cash flow grows into something that ultimately becomes substantial enough, um, you can be you and 
you know, I, I had traditionally, as it, you know, if you knew anybody from my background, I'd always say that Zuber speaks his mind. It just got a lot crisper in communication <laughs> as time went on. I used to be politically correct and soft and, you know, tap dance around it and get the point across. And now it's like, okay, you're an idiot. I think you're a, yeah, I think you're poison. I just can't work for you. So, you know, what are we going to do? So that's probably how that went. So, okay. <laughs> that's awesome. So 1031 exchange, bigger properties. Are you, are you still in Silicon Valley? I live in the Silicon Valley, but I invest in Fresno, which is about two and a half hours away. The Silicon Valley doesn't make sense for rentals or cash flow. Uh, in seller's market, you can make a killing in flipping, but when the market turns, you're going to get crushed. So I didn't play there. Uh, but I've always been in Fresno. I, I have a saying, live where you want, but invest where the numbers make sense. Um, so Fresno was the first market for me that made sense. I had to be able to drive there and go see it. I didn't want to get on an airplane. Uh, that's more about me uh, than the environment. I know there's lots of great states and, and providers out there that can help out-of-state investing. But as a type A individual uh, and a control freak, um, I needed to go see my stuff uh, in a car ride. So that's what I did. It's, it's taken some time for me to get used to not being able to go drive by my properties, but it's <laughs> been a bet. blessing in disguise um, cause, because I've been forced to trust my manager so much stress yeah. down. Uh, but I, I only asked that because I wanted to just reiterate to people that depending on market cycles and how you buy, yeah. even California and its ridiculous real estate prices can be a very successful place to invest. And that's, I think, the trick because there's this mentality in the military of, buy everywhere you get stationed and like, no, 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 no. Buy yeah. everywhere you get stationed. Sure. If the market's right and the timing's right. But you know, if you had bought everywhere you got stationed and you bought houses in 2004, six and eight in San Diego, you'd be wow. in a different situation if you, cause you know, a lot of them do the zero leverage mm -hmm. VA loan, which is awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. unless you buy an 08 on zero leverage or zero down mm -hmm. and now <laughs> the market tanks. Um, yeah. But I just, I like the fact that you did that and the, the, I'm familiar with the Fresno market. I was born in Santa Rosa. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But spent, I mean, I didn't grow up there, but I spent plenty of time up there as a kid. And uh, yeah. So to be able to successfully invest in markets like that, you know, there's not much you wouldn't be able to do provided you catch it on the right swing. So that's cool. You got it. <clears throat> awesome. Awesome. Um, well, I got a couple questions for you that I like to ask everyone. Uh, one of them is if a 18 to 20 year old walked up, you know, asking for advice and you only had a few minutes to give it to them, what would be the advice you'd want to tell them? Well, I think the first one we hit on already, and I, I would tell them as tactfully as I could, he or she, right? Um, I would tell you the key to leave. I, I, I guess this is probably how I would walk it with them. I would say, what do you want in life, right? Do you want to have freedom of time and choice and, and decision-making, right? And I would really make sure they understood that. And if the answer is no, I want to be a colonel or a two-star general or, you know, that was their vision and dream, you know, go for it. But if the answer is I want to be able to do what I want with whom I want whenever I want, right? If that's kind of the answer or those kinds of words, I would say, okay, I'm going to tell you something you're not going to like. The number one way to get there is to live on less than you make. And if you can live on, you know, 50% or less than what you make, your chances of being free in 10 to 20 years is awesome. However, if you go out and buy a truck or a Mustang or buy a, you know, ninja motorcycle or whatever these, the, the, the things are of the day or the, the Jordans or iPhones or whatever it are to keep up with someone because you have to have it and you want to reward yourself with stuff, you're not going to get there. You need to get very good at understanding need versus want. 
right? And, and you need a lot less than you want. You should earn, be the very, very best at what you do as you're working, right? That people are paying you. And uh, you should save and invest and then repeat. And if you do that, and you know, you will be able to be free. I'm living proof. Um, you know, I exited a, a, a six figure job in 15 years because my monthly is covered and it's awesome. I can <coughs> promise you it's worth it, but it starts by sacrifice. And most people don't want to hear that. And when you're 18, you're thinking about the new car or the new truck or the whatever it is. I'm going to tell you not to buy it and you're going to hate me for it. You're going to, you're going to create excuses why you can have it and blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to tell you, you know, that, that $20,000 truck or whatever it is, uh, is going to make you work an extra five or six years. So is it worth it? Right. How bad do you want freedom? You tell me that's probably where I'd go. Awesome. Yeah, that's huge. And you're right. Uh, in fact, it's funny. I did this budgeting class like a year ago and I thought I was so good at saving money and I go through the budgeting class and I was like, huh, I'm saving like 25% of my income. I'm like that's, you know, that's yeah. not terrible. It's um, better than most. <laughs> yeah. But I start looking at my budget a little bit more intense and I was like, man, um, let's cut that out and that out. And now I'm, I don't even, I don't remember the exact percent right now because I got my, some stuff changed around, but it, between yeah. 45 and 55%. Say. That's respect. I mean, when you think about the American culture of consumerism and social media and instant gratification, I don't know what the number is, but I would bet you there's less than 5% of the average Americans save 50% of what they earn. It's probably less than 3%. Yeah. And the cool thing is when you factor in that, that 45 to 55% of your income that you're saving, if you don't factor in the rental income. So that's, yeah, you know, exactly. I think about that and I'm like, yeah, I'm saving 45% of my income. And then I'm like, oh yeah. Except if you count, you know, debt pay down and cash flow, I'm probably closer to 80%, but we'll leave that alone. Cause that's, yeah. Like, yeah. Go, that put, keep that behind your back. <laughs> yeah. But it is good. Yes. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, what is something that you wish you had been taught earlier on about finances in general? I guess that probably ties into what you just said, but maybe there's some other trick of the. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I again, I, I, I think it's in my book somewhere because my mother called me on it, which was really funny because she read the book. I'm like, mom, I would have given you the book, but she said, I said something like, um, so I would get dropped off at grade school by my mother. She was a stay at home mom um, after my younger sister was born. And she would say something like this, Michael, now your job is to go to school, get a good education uh, so you can get a good job and make a lot of money and buy pretty presents. Kind of that same. I didn't know it at the time, but that's the definition of the rat race. I wish she would have said something like, Michael, your job is to go to school, get a good education, you know, learn as much as you can, and then save or something to that extent. My family, again, I'm the only college graduate with a master's degree in my entire family, both father and mother's side. I mean, all sides, cousins, aunts, uncles nieces nephews all of them and they're all you know just um you know living paycheck to paycheck it's it, money or wealth was never talked about i wish it was and and i don't blame my parents they didn't know their parents didn't raise them neither one of their parents graduated high school and only one of them graduated junior high right so um it's it's that's what i wish would have happened i wasn't around entrepreneurs i wasn't around investors i didn't even know what they were Right. I remember when I had that conversation about multifamilies, the guy came up to me and says, have you ever thought about commercial? Because I voiced my frustration about houses being too expensive. And my answer to him was such idiotic. And it just shows I didn't know, but was, I don't want office buildings or retail space. He's like, oh, he puts his hand on my shoulder and taps me. He goes, oh, that's real. That's cute. 
because I didn't know, right? Nobody ever talked to me. I didn't think, you know, little old me could buy an apartment building. And, um, you know, I wish, I wish I would have had those conversations. I wish I, you know, if, I think rich dad, poor dad should be taught when or read when you're 13 or something. Um, just because it's, it's a different mindset. I mean, that, that literally read it five times cover to cover over and over. Like I thought I missed something. I was like, this can't be right. Right. What, what the heck's going on? I've never heard these things before. So that's, that's what I wish. What do they say? The, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So yeah. my, my mom swears up and down that she tried to get me to read Rich Dad Poor Dad in high school. And I don't even remember that, which I'm, uh, I'm sure she's right. I probably was like, Psh. Yeah, it's like, Whoop. but you know, I think the same thing. I was 25 when someone handed me the book and it changed my life. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd read this sooner. And I was talking about it once. And she's like, I tried to give you that book and make you, I was homeschooled. She's like, I tried to make you read that book. You never read it. It was homework. And you, and I'm like, yeah, Oops. Uh, um, like, I guess I totally had an opportunity. So I don't remember that at all, but you know, it's probably accurate. And, yeah, mom was right. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So I guess maybe, maybe it doesn't, I, I don't know, but you know, then again, even if only 5% of people took to it when they were 13, imagine what those 5% oh, could do. Can you imagine what would have happened if I'd started it, even at 18 when you can legally sign contracts, that's 12 years before. I mean, I could have been done in my thirties instead of my mid forties. I mean, Oh, would have been life would have been so different. It'd been awesome. Yeah. And there's, and the cool thing is there's so many methods. I had a guy, I'm not going to get too crazy into his story, but a guy on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, who's still in school. Um, he's at a, a military Academy. He's still in school and has, you know, college amounts of income, right? So no money. And he's found a way adding value to get in as a general partner on syndications by being an, an analysis guy. And so this, this kid is, you know, 22, maybe 21 and has not huge portions, but percentage yeah. ownership in, in, you know, two, 300 units without a penny out of pocket. And I'm like that, that is genius. You are going to be somewhere in 10 years. Exactly. Um, Good for him. So, yeah, it's cool. All right. So, uh, well, I kind of, I already asked that question. So, yeah. What is one resource book course website that you would recommend for anyone starting to look into real estate investing? Well, there's, you know, there's the kind of standard answers. The whole bigger pockets uh, is a platform that I've been a part of since I think it was 07 or 08 when, when Josh was by himself kind of doing his thing. Josh Dorkin, the CEO, yep. uh, that that's probably the best place to go. Uh, you can always do the YouTube university. Uh, you know, right. I have my channel where I try to put daily stuff out. Um, but one you, one you should go to that's not talked a lot about is the U.S. Census. Um, because one of the things you should be thinking about is watching migration trends and more specifically migration trends of the younger generation, right? The older folks, which I throw myself in, you know, they're, they're kind of going to all the warm states. But at least my research are, are pointing to the center of the country becoming uh, a magnet and um, that that could be generational wealth created if it does happen and occur and you get in early uh, because prices generally speaking are cheaper in the center of the u.s and if population continues to migrate there and jobs will come and you know manufacturing comes back and all of that uh, if you pick the right markets you could get some you know a, a pretty healthy gain so i would i would say the one that probably isn't highlighted enough is the the census uh, and now obviously it's a little outdated and all of that, but don't wrap yourself in that. Just, just, just they provide gobs of information uh, about uh, about where people are and where people are going and what's the net migration up down. It's an indicator for sure. 
Yeah. And that's, that's actually really solid advice. When people ask me where they should invest, the, the two things I tell them are look for there to be at least three different industries for the economy and look for at least a 1% population growth every year for the last three years. But, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, but if you have those two things, at yeah. least you're not going to fall on your face too fast. Yeah, no, you, 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 I, I have a philosophy I've run with my entire life. My job is to control the downside. That's all I think about. And then I let the upside take care of itself. So you're, you're, you're doing that, right? I'm going to control the downside the best I can because that's what I can work for. And then, you know, then I, then I let the chips go where they go. And the nice thing about the Midwest where you're talking about is that, like you said, the, the purchase prices are yeah. so low that, you know, at least your exposure is minimal comparatively. Mm-hmm. In absolute dollars for sure. Yeah. For, for now, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I would, I would not complain if all of a sudden, you know, my real estate like tripled in value, but uh, that'd be okay with you. Yeah. But you know, uh, but then again, I'd run into a whole bunch of other issues and like buying power going down. So it, it all just depends. So there you that's, go. That's awesome. Well, Michael, before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to add any parting thoughts or big ideas? No, uh, I would tell you this much. If you're interested in understanding what one investor did through a complete real estate cycle, that's why I wrote the book, One Rental at a Time. I wrote it in a way that hopefully will be valuable for decades to come because real estate cycles are real uh, and you could do different things at tops and bottoms. Uh, so that's, that's what that book is because I never found a book that was written by a busy professional, right? I worked 60 hours a week minimum, traveled all over the world on top of that for my job. So um, I wrote the book for that person. And, um, you know, if you have any interest in that, if that's you, I suggest getting the book. It's a measly 15 bucks on Amazon. And then if you're looking for additional content, uh, I do uh, daily videos on my YouTube channel by the same name, One Rental at a Time. And, um, you know, feel free to subscribe and, you know, let me know if you have any questions. Uh, I interviewed David probably, what, four months ago? Uh, yeah, right my, before I went and froze. Yeah, before my... Uh, uh, investor series. So lots of successful investors have been gracious enough to come on and, and share their experience. So lots of great content already there and, and more coming every day. So awesome. Well, is there uh, anywhere else that someone, if they wanted to reach out, how could they get a hold of you? Uh, so YouTube, I put my email out there all the time. I'll just leave it here as well. It's M Zuber, Z U B E R, at one rental at a time. Uh, what the thing you could do on YouTube is just leave a comment. I'm a one man show, no virtual assistance, no nothing else. I do this because I, I have fun. So subscribers, if you leave a question, uh, I will create a, a subscriber question video likely to answer your question. I like to interact with my subscribers. So that's another way to get a hold of me. And then, of course, everybody has a website. Mine's one page. It's called one rental at a time, shocking.com. So yeah, yeah, one rental at a time.com, not drop the shocking. It's, everything I do is one rental at a time. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Michael, thanks for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I really appreciate talking to you. So I look forward to keeping this, keeping this up. When I move to California one of these days, I'm going to have to come up and hang out. There you go, brother. Take care of yourself. Uh, travel safe. Be well. Awesome. You too. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.